Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into my top 10 actors born in the 1920s in today's episode. We read the wind and the sky when the sun is high. We sail the length of the seas on the ocean breeze. At night we name every star. We know where we are. We know who we are, who we are. That's right, we have moved into the 1920s for top acting lists uh, at this at this point. And it's it's exciting, you know. We got another living person to talk about and nine people who have sadly passed away. And, uh, you know, what, what more can you ask for? Not sure what I meant by that. Anyway, um, yeah, so today, the 1920s, uh, you know, a person born in 1920 would currently be 92, 98, I can do math, uh, but they could be as young as 89 if they were born in 1929, so uh, certainly well within the range of people who are still alive, some people who are not on this list but still alive, making movies, maybe making movies, might be retired, uh, Angela Lansbury, born 1925, Max von Sydow, born 1929, Christopher Plummer, 1929, uh, Alice Drummond, 1928, Elizabeth Wilson, 1921. Sidney Poitier, 1927. Mel Brooks, 26. Um, Hal Holbrook, 25. Harry Belafonte, 1927. Uh, so a lot. Carl Reiner, 22. A lot of people. Uh, I could. I presume those are all still living people. At least they are still living, as according to my spreadsheet. So uh, a lot of lot of uh, people still alive and from born in the 1920s, and uh, that'll only increase as we move through the decades. But we're here to talk about the 1920s, which have uh, a lot of big names, a lot of recognizable names in the top 10. Probably a couple that you aren't familiar with, but we will work our way through them and figure them out as we go along. So without any further ado, let us jump in to this month's top 10 actors born in the 1920s. Starting out at number 10, born June 22nd, 1923, passing away July 4th, 1981 at the age of 58 from Japan with five film credits and an average film rating of 86, even, uh, with their lowest film being rated 79, uh, a value of 8, and a score of 69.43. This person is ranked 133rd overall, which is uh, Isao Kimura. Yes, Isao Kimura, the most popular Japanese actor of all time, Pause for laughter. Uh, no, uh, Isao Kimura, who has worked very well and very closely with Kurosawa quite frequently. Uh, five, the five films I've seen of his that he has been in are Seven Samurai, Ikaru, Throne of Blood, High and Low, and Stray Dog, all Kurosawa films. And, you know, work, 
you know, this has come up before, but working with Kurosawa is the best way to get a really high score on my spreadsheet right now. Um, you know, he, he's one of my favorite directors, favorite writers, and has made some of the best films uh, of all time, according to most people, in fact. Um, that being said, uh, Seven Samurai is my least favorite film of the five that Kimura has been in. Uh, it probably deserves a rewatch at some point from me, uh, just to see how it how it holds up. But uh, I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it didn't wow me. Wow me. I think it's very very good, but it never really. I don't know. It's just really long. Uh, but Isao Kimura. Uh, other movies that he he's in that I have not seen yet, uh, which go beyond Kurosawa films. The most popular is from 1974, and it's called Pastoral to Die in the Country, uh, which is a Shuji Terayama film that has an average film rating of 4.1 on Letterboxd. Also, there is Lone Wolf and Cub, colon, White Heaven and Hell, Assassination from 1964, Black Lizard from 68, the Affair, 67, Confessions Among Actresses from 71, and Summer Clouds from 1958. He has 49 film credits on Letterboxd, which means I've seen about 10% of his movies, and that's a lot of credits. So uh, there's still a lot of room for me to expand my knowledge and um, filmography for Isao Kimura, and we'll see if he manages to stay on this top 10 list. He has the highest average film rating of anyone on this top 10 list at 86 even. And yeah, he uh, has the he, he has the the of the two people on this top 10 list that have no movies rated below a 70, he has the highest rated lowest rated movie if you follow. Isao Kimura. Not much more I can say about him. Uh, the movies that he's been in he isn't exactly, you know, the leading role. He played Katsushiro Okamoto in Seven Samurai. He is the seventh person listed on the cast list, so I think he is one of the titular Seven Samurai, but I cannot say that for certain. Um, in Ikaru, he plays an intern, so... There's that, and in Throne of Blood, he is, where is he? Oh, he plays a phantom samurai in Throne of Blood. So, uh, yeah, not a, not a big name, but he is a name, and uh, his name is Isao Kimura. 133rd overall, 10th, born in the 1920s. Let's move on to number nine, who will be strikingly different in in resume and recognition born may 24th 1929 passing july 31st 2015 at the age of 86 from japan with six film credits and an average film rating of 82 even lowest film rated being a 75 uh, a value of eight and a score of 69.5 to be ranked 129th overall is Takashi Kato, pretty much the same situation as Isao Kimura. Uh, Takashi Kato's six films that I've seen are Seven Samurai, Throne of Blood, High and Low, 
Ran, the Hidden Fortress, and Yojimbo. So a little bit of difference between Kato and Kimura, uh, which ultimately leads to Kato being ranked slightly higher, which has probably more to do with being in six films instead of five than anything else. But like I said, all of these films I think are very, very good uh, to great uh, to amazing. And they're all Kurosawa movies. You know, like I said, that's a, that's a good way to get a good good score, good rating. Um, the Kurosawa film of his that I uh, of Takashi Kato's that I haven't seen is The Bad Sleep Well, which is the most popular film on Letterboxd of his that I haven't seen as well from 1960. Uh, other films on the list that I haven't seen are Pigs and Battleships from 61, Sword of the Beast from 65, Fighting Elegy from 66. And um, the Yakuza Papers, every volume. Well, at least volumes 1, 3, and 4. I guess he wasn't in 2. But the Yakuza volumes 1, 3, and 4, thumbs up. Uh, yeah, uh, Takashi Kato is about as recognizable as Isao Kamura. Uh, probably less so. My spelling. Oh, Takeshi. Takeshi. He is credited in Seven Samurai as quote Samurai wandering through town. Very very prestige role of Samurai wandering through town. Uh, in Yojimbo, he is Ronin Kobuhachi. So, I mean, I don't know. He's like the equivalent of a character actor, but in Japan. So you're not going to really recognize him in most Kurosawa movies or anything else. But on the other hand, if he was somebody in Hollywood, probably probably would know what his name is. You know, probably comes in like a like a David Cross or or a, I don't know. Just pulling names out of hat here. Um, I don't know. Somebody, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a thing, you know. It's it's. I'm sure. I don't know. Film film lovers and and whatnot that live in Japan who are very familiar with these films probably probably know who he is. He has 77 film credits on Letterboxd. I've seen six of them, which puts me at about seven percent of his total filmography. Uh, so a slightly bigger resume than Isao Kimura and uh, his resume includes at least one other Kurosawa film so more likely that I see one of those than than, a, than Kimura's by the next time I try to do this list and uh, yeah Kato 129th overall 9th born in the 1920s and that's about it that's it number nine Let's move on to someone who you definitely know the name of at number eight. Uh, born 19, May 4th, 1929, passing away July, January 20th, 1993, at the age of 63. From uh, Born in Belgium with 20 film credits and an average film rating of 66.35. Five Oscar nominations, one win, a value of 9.5, and a score of 69.82 to be ranked 100. 24th overall, 
is honorary Academy Award nominee as well, Audrey Hepburn. One of the two Hepburns uh, that that really just took over the world of Hollywood uh, for quite some time. Uh, no relation. Uh, Audrey Hepburn, born in Belgium, uh, a British actor, humanitarian. Uh, she is one of the most recognizable actors of all time. She is an iconic figure in Hollywood and the acting world. Uh, she, she's, you know, there's there's not much, <clears throat> there's very little um, laurels that I can laud upon her that have not been said many, many times in the past. I am a huge fan of Audrey Hepburn. Uh, I've seen, as I mentioned, 20 films of hers. She has 36 film credits on Letterboxd. So that's 55%, which is fairly high. The most popular film of hers I haven't seen is War and Peace from 1956, as followed by Paris When It Sizzles, 1964. Um, uh, War and Peace, over three hours long. Paris When It Sizzles, a modest 110 minutes. Uh, I, I really did seek out a lot of her movies early on. Uh, I really, and, and you know, from, I guess Breakfast at Tiffany's uh, was one of the first movies of hers I really saw. It was probably that and Roman Holiday that really clued me into just how much I was responding to her acting and, and to the film she was in and, and that, that, such, that sort of thing. But then, you know, The Children's Hour, Charade, How to Steal a Million, I really love those movies. Um, I like Sabrina. I like The Nun Story. I think Two for the Road is pretty good. I like My Fair Lady, Funny Face, Wait Until Dark was good as well. That was a very interesting film that seemed like quite a departure from, from her more typical typical stuff. And then, you know, you've got Robin and Marion, The Lavender Hill Mob, and uh, some bad ones too. All right, some bad films too, always. Uh, really bad. Um, Green Mansions is is worse, and uh, my my least favorite film of Audrey Hepburn's is They All Laughed, from 1981, directed by Peter Bogdanovich. Yeah, uh, I just it's it's I really didn't like it. <laughs> I really didn't like it. So, but I mean, ultimately. I think she's great. I'm, I'm excited to continue to discover more films from her filmography. Uh, for someone born in the 1920s, 20 films is a lot for me. Uh, it is the third highest on this top 10 list, and the other two make a lot of sense, uh, especially because Audrey Hepburn wasn't making movies after the 80s, and I was born after the 80s, so <laughs> there wasn't a lot of co uh, coinciding to be had. Um, five Oscar nominations is one less than the person with the most on this list at six. One win is one less than the person with the most on this top ten list. Uh, she often gets dwarfed in conversations of acting ability with the other Hepburn, Catherine, who I'm pretty sure we've already talked about. 
uh, from previous decades. And I think I have to agree with that. I think just in raw talent, I think Katherine Hepburn was a far better actor. Perhaps the greatest actor of all time. And but but simply being able to have a conversation between yourself and the greatest actor of all time, that's got to be worth something, right? I think so. And uh, I think that it would be anyone would be remiss to not consider Audrey Hepburn uh, in that conversation, if only to say that, well, she is the lesser of the two Hepburns. I think, I mean, I feel like that's something that has to be said if you're considering those sorts of things. So, Audrey Hepburn, Academy Award winner, Honorary Academy Award winner, uh, and my number eight currently uh, in my top 10 actors born in the 1920s and 124th overall. Moving on to number seven. This is the only living person on this top 10 list at the moment. Uh, born December 28th, 1922. Still alive at the ripe old age of 95. 95. Born in New York, United States, with currently 41 film credits to their name. An average film rating of 60.54. No Oscar nominations a value of 13, and a score of 70.72. Ranked 110th overall is none other than the man himself, Stan Lee. Yes, Stan Lee makes it onto this list because he appears in a fuck ton of movies, and a lot of them are good. Uh, You know, say what you want about the MCU Stanley is in all of their movies, and a lot of them are fairly strong movies. Uh, you know, granted, he has slowly been slipping down the scores, uh, down the, down the leaderboard uh, with time. Uh, when you factor in movies like X Men Apocalypse, Fantastic Four, um, and so on and so forth, Ant Man and the Wasp, as I mentioned in on on Monday's episode was a negative for him, and uh, even uh, even Infinity War dropped his score down because it was rated in the 50s. So, Stanley obviously not really acting in any of these movies, but just appearing in them uh, gives them gives them weight and gives them power and, and lends a little bit of credence to to what they are and. There's something to be said for that, you know. He's in all these he's all these cameo roles, you know, he's playing himself, he's playing some unknown, you know, bus driver or or the owner of a uh, a strip club or something like that. And most of the time, that's not true. I would say about 50/50. Half the time it feels very forced and shoehorned in and and really just out of place. Whereas the other half of the time, I actually think they tried to, like, I don't know, put him in a role that otherwise, you know, you would kind of just forget about. Otherwise, you know, he, he you know, I think one of my favorite, perhaps, is Spider-Man 2 in the library. I love that scene uh, where he's, like, listening to a book on tape and, and just, you know, the fight is happening behind him. I think that's that's so well done. Uh, and 
it, it just it, it works. Or no, Spider-Man Two. God, Spy the Amazing Spider-Man. I'm so sorry. In the Amazing Spider-Man in the library, library scene. You know what I was talking about. It was a Spider-Man movie. But like that was a that's a really good good way to use him. Uh, without it, you know, it's obviously something that you bring to the forefront. It's obviously something people are going to recognize. They're going to see him and think, okay, Stanley, of course, check off the box. But when you can use it in a way that sort of adds either uh, brevity or or comedy to a scene, I think that's a good thing. Uh, I think that's a good thing. So I like Stanley. I, I I kind of have the same problem with him on my spreadsheet as I do with a lot of other cameo role actors and things like that, which is clearly he's not acting in most of these movies. He's just kind of standing around. He's being himself. He's gets he gets one line. He has to just be a curmudgeonly old man. Uh, whatever, fine. Uh, but 110th is a little high. It's a little high. Uh, some films of hit that he's in that I haven't seen yet uh, include... Uh, Avengers Part 4, because it's not out. Teen Titans Go to the Movies. He supposedly has a voice role in that. Um, Yoga Hosers. I haven't seen. He's in that. The Ambulance from 1990, which is not a Marvel movie. Uh, Jay and Silent Bob Super Groovy Cartoon Movie from 2013. Return to Nukem High Volume 1 from 2013. Comic-Con Episode 4, A Fan's Hope from 2011. And Citizen Toxie, the Toxic Avenger 4000. For, from 2000. So, uh, a lot of movies. And they're not all Marvel movies. Uh, in fact, on Letterboxd, he has 91 film credits. I've seen 41, but only 38 of them show up on Letterboxd. So that's actually 41 out of 94 instead of 38 out of 91. But 38 out of 91 is 41%. With 41 film credits, he has the highest amount of film credits uh, on this top 10 list. And with an average film rating of 60.54, he has the lowest average film rating on this top 10 list. Uh, he also has the most bad movies, most awful movies out of anyone on this top 10 list. But conversely, he has the most film, most good movies. So good with the bad. Uh, Stan Lee, Stanley Martin Lieber. Uh, he is the only living top 10 list member, uh, and it's, it's I don't know, if, if he's in every Marvel movie going forward, however old he becomes, uh, depending on the direction of this franchise, he could be a mainstay. We'll have to see. There, there's no limits. No limits to, to our man Stan. So that's Stan Lee, who is um, number goodness me, uh, who is number seven, born in the 1920s, number 110 overall. Moving up to number six, born July 26th, 1922, passing December 26, 2000, at the age of 78, from Illinois with 14 film credits, an average film rating of 70.07, two Oscar nominations that I've seen, excuse me, and won an award for both of them, so two Oscar wins for this, this guy. 20, nope, a value of 10 
a score of 71.31, ranked 100th overall, is Jason Robards. Jason Robards, Oscar nominee and winner for the films Julia and All the President's Men. Also appearing in Magnolia, Parenthood, Once Upon a Time in the West, and Philadelphia. Those are some of my favorite films that he has been in. Uh, he is the only person on this top ten list to never appear in a movie so far that I've rated a 90 or more. And uh, he is a fairly recognizable name, fairly recognizable face. Uh, although I'm, I, I t it's totally makes sense for, you know, that pe some people wouldn't really recognize his name that well. If you are familiar with Magnolia, Jason Robards plays Earl Partridge in that film. If that, you know, Julianne Moore's father, I want to say. Not 100% confident about that. Just guessing. Um, the 14 films of his that I've seen represent 14% of his letterboxed filmography, currently sitting at 100 credits. Some of the films of his I haven't seen, uh, high in popularity, are Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid from 1973, directed by Sam Peckinpah. Burden of Dreams from 1982. My Best Friend uh, with Klaus Kinski. Uh, Johnny Got His Gun from 71. Melvin and Howard from 1980. And The Ballad of Cable Hogue from 1972. Uh, not a lot of films I'm familiar with, but a lot of them are, are filtered throughout the, the films I'd already seen. Uh, as far as like being more popular. You know, Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid is more popular on Letterboxd than Parenthood. Uh, which is interesting. And... I mean, it's Sam Peckinpah, and, and, you know, I've heard that name quite often. I'm not a big, I mean, I've only seen Wild Bunch and Straw Dogs. Neither of them really, neither of them really, really rubbed me the right way. So, um, yeah. Uh, Jason Robards has also won a Tony and an Emmy. Um, so he is... Three quarters of the he made it three quarters of the way to an EGOT, and that's hell. That's that's incredibly impressive. Uh, Jason Robards. I've only seen one bad film of, from him, and that's A Boy and His Dog. It's not awful, uh, but I think it is subpar. I gave it a forty-four. Uh, it's a 1975 sci-fi film starring Don Johnson, Suzanne Benton, Jason Robards, and Tim McIntyre, among others. But two Oscar nominations, two wins, uh, that's uh, it's really good. That's Not a lot of people can say any of those things, and he can say both of them. Jason Robards. I don't know. I, I like Jason Robards. I think he's he's a very a very familiar type of actor. He, he in the movies in the roles that he gives and the performances that he, he he showcases, he is able to really just perform those those roles fluidly. I, I feel like um you know it it feels very casual, it feels very easy and simple to to 
for him to kind of fall and in, in, into these roles. And that being said, I, I think he has sort of a niche that he 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 fills many times, but ultimately, I I think he is a very wide array a range, uh, wide array of of performances and and a very wide range that he is able to satisfy. So I'm a big fan. Uh, I, I I don't really seek out movies for Jason Robards. Uh, I believe both of his Oscar wins were supporting performances. He is a very, you know, he is much more a supporting actor than a leading man in most cases. But I am excited to kind of dive deeper into his filmography, uh, given his position on this list and a position overall on the spreadsheet. And uh, Klaus Kinsey, Sam Peckinpah, these are these are names that I, I'm interested to explore deeper. So I'm looking forward to it. So Jason Robards, my number six from 1920s, my number 100 overall. We're halfway through. But before we can get into some of the biggest names on this list, uh, we gotta we got to make a little pit stop at number five here. Uh, born September 8th, 1925, passing March 11th, 1998 at the age of 72 from Japan with eight film credits and an average film rating of 78 even, uh, a value of nine, a score of 71.4, 96th overall, Sakio Sakai. Sachio Sakai. Uh, yeah, another Japanese actor with who works with Kurosawa that probably you've never heard of. Uh, he makes it a little bit further up the list by being in a couple extra movies and actually has some movies that weren't directed by Kurosawa on his filmography that I've seen, uh, that I have seen. Uh, those are Godzilla from 1954, which I think is very good. I really like it. Uh, and King Kong versus Godzilla from 1962, which I think is bad and I don't like it. <laughs> um, so there's that. Uh, Sachio Sakai uh, was in Seven Samurai with of the role Cooley number two. So making the big bucks, uh, he is newspaper reporter Hagawara in Godzilla, which is sounds like a far more significant role to me. In Ikiru, he is in there somewhere as a yakuza member. Pretty sure I added him to that list uh, on the movie database myself. So here we go, another example. You know, six of the eight movies he's been in: Samurai, Ikaru, Yojimbo, Sanjiro, Throne of Blood, and Hidden Fortress. All Kurosawa movies, along with two Godzilla movies. One very good, one bad, uh, fairly bad. Uh, King Kong vs. Godzilla really drags him down quite a bit. Um, but all in all. Sakai is uh, doing well. He's in a lot of good movies, and there's many others. You know, he's in Kurosawa's Drunken Angel, uh, but he's also in Woody Allen's What's Up, Tiger Lily, which I haven't seen. Uh, he is in Samurai 2 and Samurai 3, Duel at Ichijoji Temple, and Duel at Ganryu Island, which I haven't seen. Those are uh, directed by Hiroshi Inagaki, 
there are three samurai movies. Um, I haven't seen any of his movies actually, but that that sounds. I'm in, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. Uh, he is also in Godzilla: King of the Monsters from 1956, King Kong Escapes from 67, All Monsters Attack from 69, as well as One Wonderful Sunday from 1947 and Rhapsody in August from 1991. I mentioned having seen six of his films. He has 49 film credits on Letterboxd, or uh, I've seen about 16% of his movies. And at fifth. Uh, in born in the 1920s, that's fairly high. Uh, definitely a spot he can. He has a little bit of breathing room if one of his if his next movie pro is probably uh, more of a Godzilla than a Kurosawa. But nevertheless, um, the samurai movies, Kurosawa's Drunken Angel, I fully expect those to be better than any Godzilla movie I have left to watch. Hopefully fingers crossed um he's also in a movie called space amoeba from 1970 which might be a godzilla movie i'm not 100 percent sure um so there's that there is that uh you know the third japanese actor on this list and uh not the last actually but uh japan I mean, like, it's like kind of just kind of imagined if 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 everybody, I don't know, if you'd only ever seen movies from, I don't know, Kubrick, and most Kubrick movies are good to great to amazing, and if Kubrick worked with the same people every time, uh, or or Nolan, if no, of all of Nolan's movies you loved, and he works with a lot of the same actors, and those would be the ones at the top of the list if those are pretty much the only movies you'd seen. So, eh, rather, not if they're the only ones you've seen, but if they're the only ones that you've seen with those actors, uh, which is generally the case uh, at this point with a lot of Japanese actors. And, you know, I will I will suffer those consequences. Not that they're very grave consequences. So, uh, Sachio Sakai, number 96 overall, number 5th, Number five, born in the 1920s. All right, let's move on to number four. Born February 3rd, 1925, passing June 25th, 2005, at the age of 80. Born in Wisconsin, United States, with 15 film credits, an average film rating of 69.13, a value of 11.5, and a score of 72.5, ranked 78th overall, is John... Fiedler. Fiedler? 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 John Fiedler. I'm going to say Fiedler. I'm just going to go with Fiedler. Doesn't sound right to me. Fiedler. 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 I'm going to say Fiedler. I'm going to say Fiedler. Or just, I can't just say John, but I'm going to say Fiedler. He is a bit of a character actor. Um, also a bit of a voice actor, as it turns out. Uh, performing, Providing voices for The Emperor's New Groove, Robin Hood, the Fox and the Hound, and Winnie the Pooh. Uh, so pretty pretty eclectic group of peop- things. Uh, he's the old man in Emperor's New Groove, I believe the one that throws off Kuzco's groove in the beginning of the movie. In Robin Hood, he plays Father Sexton's voice. In The Fox and the Hound, he is 
the porcupine. So uh, that's big role. And in John Fiedler, he uh, he plays Piglet's voice in The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh from 1977. Uh, so that definitely, definitely a recognizable one. Uh, he also has voice roles in The Rescuers, The Tigger Movie, Kronk's New Groove, um, Winnie the Pooh and the Blustery Day, Winnie the Pooh and Tigger 2, Winnie the Pooh and Christmas 2. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's about half. That's a little more than half of his resume as I've seen it. However, none of those are his top three movies, which are, for my money, Sweet Smell of Success, uh, which, you know, live action, The Odd Couple, uh, if you're familiar, and my favorite film that he has been in, 12 Angry Men. Yes, 12 Angry Men. Uh, and he is far more, mm, maybe not recognizable than any of the Japanese actors I've mentioned already, but far more uh, noticeable in the films that he's actually in. Uh, you know, he is the third build actor in The Odd Couple. Uh, in 12 Angry Men, he is juror number two juror number two in Sweet Smell of Success he has the role of counterman at hot dog stand so maybe that one a little, little not so great uh, he's also been in True Grit the John Wayne version which I think is quite good as well as his last role in a live action movie that I've seen and haven't mentioned which is Guns of Diablo starring Charles Bronson and Kurt Russell from 1965. However, I think Guns of Diablo is a bad movie. So there's that. Uh, John Fiedler, Fiedler, fuck, uh, is uh, an interesting guy. He, you know, very, very much a character actor. Uh, he is uh, also has appeared on many TV shows, The Bob Newhart Show. Um, he appeared on the TV series of The Odd Couple, which spun off from the actual show, uh, or from the actual movie, or perhaps the Broadway play before both of them. Uh, he has a very helium-high voice. Uh, you know, he's very high-pitched, uh, as you know, as Piglet would kind of lead you to presume. And, uh, yeah, he's he's just, he's been around. He's got 54 film credits on Letterboxd. I've seen 15 of them, oh, about 27%. There's a lot of Winnie the Pooh movies here. Piglet's Big Move, the Pooh's Heffalump movie, Pooh's Grand Adventure, The Search for Christopher Robin, Mickey's House of Villains, Winnie the Pooh, A Very Merry Pooh Year, Winnie the Pooh, Springtime with Rue, Pooh's Heffalump Halloween movie, Winnie the Pooh Seasons of Giving, Winnie the Pooh and a Day for Eeyore, I could go on, but uh, he also has a couple of films that are not Winnie the Pooh movies, like A Raisin in the Sun with Sidney Poitier, uh, The Cannonball Run from 81, Kiss Me Stupid 64, That Touch of Mink with Cary Grant, uh, Burt Reynolds in Sharky's Machine from 81, um, and so forth, and so on. So, I'm probably going to hedge that he's going to drop more likely than move up on this list. But uh, getting a great start at fourth here as as an actor able to kind of do voice and and other roles as well. 
which I always find fascinating. I think, you know, someone like John Ratzenberger, who is primarily a voice actor at this point, um, but, like, looking back at his earlier work, you know, he was fairly frequently in live-action movies, which me, being as young as I am, wasn't entirely aware of for most of my... for a long time. So... I like that. I, I like that he's able to balance both of those things and, and transition as need be. Uh, it's not easy. So, uh, John Fiedler, Fiedler has has the, has the position of fourth in my 1920s top 10 and 78th overall uh, on my spreadsheet as an actor. Uh, thanks to 12 Angry Men and The Odd Couple, among many, many other films. And that's that's number four. Uh, the top three, you probably didn't recognize the name John Fiedler. Fiedler, I don't, I don't know. Uh, but the top three, I really do believe everyone will know. Top three. Here we go. Number three, born April 1st, 1920. Passing December 24th, 1997 at the age of 77. From Japan, nine film credits, an average film rating of 77.44, a value of 10, and a score of 73.36. Number 66 overall is the actual most famous Japanese actor that I'm aware of, and that is Toshiro Mifune. Toshiro Mifune, Kurosawa's go-to guy, uh, has been in all of the good... Kurosawa films, Yojimbo and Sanjuro, Seven Samurai, Rashomon, Stray Dog, Throne of Blood, Hidden Fortress, High and Low, uh, including ones I haven't seen that I've already named, like The Bad Sleep Well, Drunken Angel. He's also been in Redbeard. Uh, he's also in uh, The Life of Oharu, which is a Kenji Mitsuguchi film. So he does step outside of Kurosawa occasionally. <clears throat> he is in all three samurai films that I mentioned earlier. He is in Kurosawa's film The Idiot from 1951, and so on and so forth. However, there is one film he has been in that I haven't mentioned yet, and it is pretty much without this film, I think he would be number one in this top ten, uh, because it really, really drags him down, because I think the movie is pretty awful, and that is Steven Spielberg's 1941 I think it's really terrible, and I'm very saddened that Toshiro Mifune touched this with a samurai sword, as he plays Commander Akiru Mitamura in that steaming pile. Other than 1941, his lowest rated film is a 75, which is pretty impressive. Uh, he is fantastic. There's a scene... Um, I think it's in Hidden Fortress, I want to say, uh, where he charges after other people on horseback, sword raised above his head, and, oh my goodness, uh, like, just, this guy was strong, he was just a brilliant actor, you know, his performances in Yojimbo and Sanjuru, I think, are phenomenal, he's hilarious, in both roles, and he does it without really ever cracking a smile. Uh, he, I love seeing him in High and Low and Stray Dog when he's not playing uh, a samurai. 
because I, I just I don't know I just think I love seeing that breadth of, of skill I'm very looking forward to some of his um, later works in in his career um, I think you know he kind of got pigeonholed early on and not that that is necessarily a bad thing but I really am interested to see if anything kind of changes throughout his life as he uh, change has he himself changes and uh, becomes you know a, a more a, a, a more expansive actor in that way there are account uh, a handful of documentaries on Mifune as an actor and as a samurai that I'm very very fascinated to to take a look at at some point and I don't know. I mean, I'm halfway through. Uh, he he collaborated with Kurosawa on 16 films. I've seen half of them, so that's a, a long way to go uh, to finish that off. Other films that he's been in are Sword of Doom and Samurai Rebellion. Uh, neither of those are Kurosawa films, um, but uh, both of them are from the late 60s. So at this point, he would already have been in his late 40s. And uh, Sword of Doom from Kihachi Okamoto has a 4.0 on Letterboxd average rating. Samurai Rebellion from Masaki Kobayashi has a 4.1 average um, Letterboxd rating. It's, I don't know. I mean, if you want a samurai movie, Mifune, right? It's got to be Mifune. Mifune and, and Kurosawa are are the perfect duo. One of probably my favorite director actor pairing of all time at this point. Uh, you know, no no one has made as many movies and as many great movies uh, with an actor as Kurosawa has with Mifune, in my opinion. So. That's yeah. I mean, I don't know what else I can say. It's it's really fascinating to see him act, to perform, to to uh, just to combat other people as a samurai, as a warrior. He he exudes so much strength, and he wears this sort of flat sneer on his face ninety percent of the time, and yet he's still able to convey a wide range of emotions and. That is not easy. That is not easy. So I, I'm a big fan of Toshiro Mifune, uh, despite the 1941 blemish on his record. So, that being said, Toshiro Mifune, my number three, born in the 1920s, uh, also happens to be uh, the quote-unquote oldest person on this top ten list in the sense that he was born before anybody else on the top ten list, being born in 1920. The next person on that list in line after him would be uh, Jason Robards, July 1922. So, uh, you really can't go wrong. You just cannot go wrong with Toshiro Mifune. So, number three, 66 overall Toshiro Mifune. Let's move on to number two, our penultimate 1920s top 10 list actor. Born July 14th, 1926, passing September 14th, 2017, less than a year ago at the age of 91. From Kentucky, with 26 film credits and an average film rating of 67.23. 
no Oscar nominations, a value of 13, and a score of 75.43. Ranked 46th overall, we're in the top 50 for Harry Dean Stanton. The incredible Harry Dean Stanton. Uh, He has been in a wide swath of films, uh, the second most out of anyone in this top 10 list. He has uh, over 130 credits on Letterboxd. I've seen just 19% of those movies. He plays a supporting and and often uh, side character in a lot of his a lot of the movies that he is credited for. Uh, thinking of Avengers, Alien, Godfather 2, Green Mile, Seven Psychopaths, uh, Fear and Loathing, Rango, Escape from New York, Inland Empire, Pretty in Pink, Straight Story, Repo Man, Cool and Luke, etc. 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 He's 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 been around. He has uh, played every role you can think of. He is a fantastic, fantastic actor who got more than enough credit. Uh, oh, not more than enough. He got plenty of credit for his role in Lucky last year, which I liked. I thought he was very good in that. Uh, it is kind of a shame that uh, he was never nominated for an Oscar. Uh, but he his career spanned 50 years. 50 years he was acting all the way up until he passed and uh, that that is is a testament to his love for acting his love of movies and uh, his love of performing and I think you you can't really talk about legacy actors uh, without bringing up Harry Dean Stanton I think he he is one of those he's just been a big role in in so many movies and I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't spend a, a minute to talk about Paris, Texas, because as far as I'm aware, and I'm sure that this isn't exactly the case, but uh, Paris, Texas is the only movie I've seen where Harry Dean Stanton plays the main character. He is the lead. He is he owns the movie. He spent, you know, we see him in almost all of the scenes in the movie, and we get probably the best scene of his career uh, towards the end of Paris, Texas, which is is just a phenomenal scene, a phenomenal moment. The film is very slow. Uh, it For the first half of it, I wasn't sure I was even going to like the film, but by the end of it, I was... I, I know I cried. It, it's, it's a very emotional, moving movie, and it's anchored so brilliantly by Stanton's performance. I, I'm I'm very very much a, a fan of Paris Texas. Uh, Alien actually ranks as his highest rated film for me. Uh, Paris Texas coming in at third, but uh, easily Paris Texas is the the best performance that I've I've ever seen him give. Now that being said, 130 films. Uh, I'm on, I'm less than a fifth of the way there. Plenty of time to discover. Uh, more great, great performances from Harry Dean Stanton. Some of the films he's in that I have not seen yet. Uh, Twin Peaks, Fire Walk With Me. Wild at Heart from 1990. Twin Peaks The Return, which I don't consider a movie because it's a thousand minutes long and it's a TV show. Uh, <laughs> Tulane Blacktop from 71. The Wrong Man from 56, which is Hitchcock. 
he is also in Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid from Sam Peck and Pa. He's in 84's Red Dawn. This must be the place from 11, 2011. 1979's Wise Blood. 2001's The Pledge with Jack Nicholson. Private Benjamin with Goldie Hawn. Kelly's Heroes. Dustin Hoffman in Straight Time. One from the Heart from 81. Ride in the Whirlwind with Jack Nicholson. Warren Warren Oates in Cockfighter. Jack Nicholson and Marlon Brando in The Missouri Breaks. Farewell, My Lovely from 75. I could go on and on. Down Periscope. Bette Midler's The Rose. Death Watch. Fire Down Below. Dream a Little Dream. Etc. 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 He's been in a lot of films. And it's going to be a while. It's going to be a while. But... I'm, I could not be more happy about having that many more movies to see Harry Dean Stanton in. You know, he he's one of a kind. He just, he has that look, he had that voice, he had that charisma, he had that sort of subdued nature about him that, that really, rather than kind of alienate you or, or appear cold, it just drew you in and, and made you want to spend more time with him and, and that is so fascinating and, and so nice, and, and I love it. Harry Dean Stanton, uh, my number two, uh, born in 1920s, number 46 overall. Harry Dean Stanton. Which brings us, at last, to numero uno, the number one actor born in the 1920s. Uh, and... and Let's do it. Let's do it. Born January 26th, 1925, passing September 26th, 2008, at the age of 83. Born in Ohio, with 17 film credits that I've seen, a 70.06 average film rating, uh, six Oscar nominations that I've seen, one win, a value of 14, a score of 76.68, ranked 35th overall. The honorary Academy Award winner, Mr. Apal Newman. One half of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Uh, one half, uh, you know, the leading man in The Sting, Oscar winner The Sting. He's in Cool Hand Luke, uh, The Hudsucker Proxy, The Hustler, uh, The Color of Money, Slapshot, HUD, Nobody's Fool, The Drowning Pool, The Prize. He has, uh, you know, he's in Road to Perdition. Uh, he was in the first and third Cars movies, for whatever that's worth. Uh, you know, Paul Newman, he, he's been in six movies that I've rated in the 90s, which is one more than Harry Dean Stanton and, and the most out of anyone in this entire decade. Uh, those are The Sting... The Hustler, Color of Money, Cool Hand Luke, uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, and Sing Your Song, which is a documentary uh, that he appears in that I'm looking for. Um, Sing Your Song. Uh, you know, Paul Newman, I don't know, I don't, he just, he just, man, you talk about charisma, this guy had it. He, he did anything, you know, he, like just look at it he's all right so so his bio lists him as an american actor film director entrepreneur humanitarian 
professional racing driver, auto racing team owner, and auto racing enthusiast. Uh, he won a Best Actor Oscar for his performance in The Color of Money, uh, directed by Scorsese. Uh, he has eight other Oscar nominations, so I haven't even seen all of his Oscar nominations. Uh, he's won three Golden Globes, a BAFTA, a SAG, Cannes Film Festival, an Emmy, many honorary awards. He won national championships as a driver in Sports Car Club of America Road Racing, and much, much more. He was a co-founder of Newman's own food company, donated all post-tax profits and royalties to charity, and as of July 2011, those donations exceeded $300 million. This guy had the dream, did everything he could to just, just be the best. And I think, for the most part, he just succeeded. He, he really is a fantastic actor, and it goes well beyond Hollywood uh, for me with Paul Newman. Some of the movies he's been in that I haven't seen, uh, Cat on Hot Tin Roof with Elizabeth Taylor, The Towering Inferno from 74, The Verdict from 82, Torn Curtain from 66, Mel Brooks's silent movie, uh, Ombre from 67, Message in a Bottle from 99, The Long Hot Summer from 58, uh, Harper from 66, Absence of Malice with Sally Field from 81, Exodus from 60, Buffalo Bill and the Indians, uh, and, and so on and so on and so on and so on and so on. He has 82 film credits on Letterboxd. I've seen 17 of them, or about 20%. Um, you know, 17 is not a lot. You know, I, I'm, I mentioned 20% with, um, Stanton, I think. And, you know, having that many more movies left is great. You know, I'm very much looking forward to Verdict and ha Count, on, Count on a Hot Tin Roof. Less so Towering Inferno. But I just, I really enjoy Paul Newman. I really enjoy the movies that he's in. I really enjoy... Uh, him, and he's he's one of the one of those one of the best ones, one of those all time actors that that just I don't know he just he feels classic in that way, and and it's it's really awe inspiring to just just look through his filmography and, and look at the roles and and the icon how how iconic he's been and and. You know, even able to, you know, he did a Peter O'Toole and, and lent his voice to Pixar uh, in the Cars series, which in Cars 1, I think, was totally fine. Totally fine as, as Doc Hudson. Um, and then reprising, sort of reprising his role in, in Cars 3. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm the one that added his name to this list uh, as his voice for Doc Hudson is used in that film. Uh, so there's that, but yeah, I I just I don't know. I think he's uh, he's worth it, man. Uh, he he's been in a lot of great movies. I've only seen a handful of films that I, that he's in that I didn't like, including Cars Three. Um, the other being The Drowning Pool, uh, which is meh, very very meh. Uh, I, I'm not the biggest fan of Drowning Pool. His Oscar nominations that I've seen are HUD, uh, Road to Perdition, 
Nobody's Fool, Cool Hand Luke, The Hustler. And uh, obviously, I, I mentioned he won for The Color of Money. Nominated for Color of Money and Hustler, in which he played the same role, as it turns out. Which I think is fascinating. Uh, uh, the Color of Money, which is a, a sequel to The Hustler, but not directed by the same person. The Hustler, directed by Robert Rosen, and The Color of Money by Martin Scorsese. I, that's, that's about it, though. I mean, <sighs> Paul Newman, the most Oscar nominations of anyone in this top ten, and I think of anybody born in this decade. I'm not seeing anything higher than a five going down the list. Um, yeah, that's that's going to be tough. He's going to be tough to knock off that number one spot. I think I think Mufune is probably the most likely to be able to pull it off uh, if, if I'm able to watch a couple more Kurosawa's Kurosawa films. But Newman's going to be mainstay on this top ten list for quite some time, and I'm I'm very very pleased by that fact. Uh, so, Paul Newman. Let me run down the top ten one more time, uh, just as a refresher. Isao Kimura, Takashi Kato, Takashi. Kato, Audrey Hepburn, Stan Lee, Jason Robards, Sachio Sakai, John Feidler, Toshiro Mufune, Harry Dean Stanton, and number one, Paul Newman. Um, it's a good. It's a good list. It's a good list. It's it's very Japanese uh, Kurosawa dominated, but that does not uh, detract from the quality of the the performers in any way. So. That's that's about it though. That's that's about it for today's episode. Um, a lot of a lot of a lot of old people, a lot of old movies, and uh, that's how it should be. You know, don't don't uh, don't neglect the classics. That said, uh, if you want to check out more episodes of the Circle of Film podcast, you can head over to circleoffilm.com or most places where podcasts can be found. If you would like to support the show, you can do so on patreon.com slash circleoffilm for as little as eight cents an episode. And if you'd like to get in touch with me for any reason, if there is somebody on this list you don't think deserves to be there, you can recommend me bad movies that they've been in. If there is someone not on this list, maybe I mentioned them already, that you think does deserve to be there. Uh, a couple of other people who didn't make the list, Jack Lemon. Charles Durning, Denholm Elliott, Robert Shaw, Don Rickles, Montgomery Clift, Marlon Brando, and, and so forth. If you think any of those deserve to be on the list, uh, recommend me some good movies to, to see that they're in. And maybe it'll happen next time. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. You can recommend those things to me on Twitter, at CircleFilm, or through email, CircleFilm at gmail.com. Um, thanks one more time, and as always, have a week. She'll never leave me Even as she fades from view So long, farewell I'll be to say adieu In the name of love One night in the name of love So long, farewell Oh, what I'll be to say Wait a minute Wait a minute Wait a minute